You know, I said on uh, Facebook this past week that this could be uh, one of the most important messages uh, that I feel that we've given uh, here at Passion. And I, you know, listen, every message I give is the most important message, right? I mean, every time, as a pastor, if you don't think the message you're given is the most important message, then you probably should not be up here, just saying. But uh, in all reality, this one is, I think, is, is really important. And I think it's, it's a good message for this uh, time and for the place that we're in in our culture and in, in the world today. Truth of the matter is, is that today, there's people all around this world who call themselves Christians, who go to church, but don't have one lick of Jesus inside of them. There are a lot of people in this world who, you know, darken the door frames of a door that leads to a church that may have even said that they are a Christian, but uh, their actions seem to prove otherwise. Today we're starting a series of sermons called Incorporated. Now, the word incorporated, listen, I feel a little, I feel a little, uh, uh, a little bad about using the word incorporated because it takes me back to my business roots, right? You know, incorporation, incorporating, and, and doing a business and all of those things. But the truth of the matter is, is that this verse, or this, this name, incorporated, means that we are incorporating Jesus. We should be incorporating Jesus in all that we do. There was once this, uh, many years ago, there was a gentleman who came out by the name of Lance Walnow, and he did something that was called the Seven Mountains uh, Mandate. He and a few other pastors, uh, and Lance Walnut actually still preaches on this almost uh, every week. If you go online, you can see the Seven Mountain Mandate and those types of things, which, um, interesting enough, I I don't disagree with a lot of the things he says. I just disagree with some of the the, the final concepts of what he says. In in fact, in his message, what he says is that Christians have to uh, take over every seven mountains of these things, that Christians should be the leaders of all these seven mandates. And I disagree with that. I don't think that that's what the Lord called us to do, but I do believe that the Lord calls us to be active in the seven areas that he talks about. And so when I started thinking about this, when I started uh, reading on this, I started to have this imagination. What would it look like if we as Christians actually incorporated Jesus in everything that we did? What would it look like if Jesus was incorporated in our jobs every single day we went to work? <laughs> what would your school look like, Christy? I'm going to pick on you just a little bit because you did the... <sighs> What would it look like if Jesus was incorporated to every financial decision you ever made in your life? How would you do things differently with that fact? What would it look like if Jesus was incorporated in all of your arts and entertainment and every, every decision you made, what movies you decided to watch, what uh, radio stations you listened to, what music you allow yourself and your kids to listen to? What would, what, how would that be different if Jesus was incorporated in all of those things? By the way, what would it look like if Jesus was incorporated in your church? Mm. Now, there's an interesting question, right? Because most people go, well, I come to church. Jesus should be incorporated. Well, I know a lot of Christian people who are in church that don't necessarily incorporate Jesus into into their church and into their life as a church member. What would it look like if Jesus was incorporated in your school, your education? What would it look like if Jesus was incorporated in your decisions for how you're going to make uh, who you're going to vote for in government and those types of things. Listen, I'm not trying to get political in any way, shape, or form, 
But listen, your faith should change you. Your faith should change on who you are. Your, Jesus doesn't call us to become who we are, to become followers of him, just to look like everyone else and do everything else that we normally did. No, Jesus comes in and he wants us to be incorporated 100% so that our lives are changed. And it's not so that we mess up the world and we make the world. Listen, there's a lot of people outside of the church world that think we're nuts and we're cuckoos here. Of course, some of us are. Isn't that right? I didn't say a name. Look, I stopped short of saying a name, right? I could have said anyone in this room, Mandy. Uh, no, I could have said anyone in this room, Tanya. I could have said anyone in this room, Angel. <laughs> but I didn't. No, I'm kidding. The truth of the matter is, is that we must change the world for the good. Jesus did not come to this earth to change this earth for us to just watch it go by and do nothing with what's going on outside this world. We are called to be the hands and feet, the servants of Christ. We are called to be the ones who grow with him, the ones who take his love and his compassion and his strength and his power and his glory and all of those things and take it to outside this church and outside these walls into our community. It doesn't matter how big and how wonderful and how growing your church is on the inside if it doesn't touch anyone on the outside. Our goal is to change our hearts inside of here so that when we leave this place, we're changing every element of where we go outside of this place. So what we're going to do for the next eight weeks is we're going to talk about these seven mountains of influence. Today I'm going to set up this message and then over the next few weeks you'll hear from uh, Corey and you'll hear from Pastor Chaz and you'll hear from myself about how these seven influences of life. Surprise, you're preaching. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so, but God wants us to influence the world around us, but he first wants us to be incorporated with him inside of our hearts in everything that we do and we say. Let's pause and pray, and then we'll begin after that point. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you call us to be incorporated with you, that you have chosen to walk with us, that you have chosen us for some unknown reason, Father, you chose us to work with you. You love us so much so that not only did you die on the cross for us, but then you want to change us on who we are so that we can follow you every single day and be your hands and feet, to be your servants in this place. So Father, we ask you today, just help us to understand how you want to incorporate into us our lives would be different if we allowed you to be incorporated in everything that we do and everything that we say. Lord, let us walk with you. Let us be guided by you. Let us make every decision based upon our relationship with you. Let us be the ones that you've called us to be. Lord, I pray that today would not be, uh, that I would not be speaking my own words, but they would truly be your words, Father. And that today we can learn how to be your servants and how we can incorporate you in all that we say and do. Lord, let my words not be my own, but let them be your words. Come in and remove any hindrances from our eyes and from our ears, our stumbling blocks that would keep us from hearing what you would speak to us through these scriptures and through this series, Father. Help us to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I said, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Galatians chapter 2, starting in verse 19. When you get there, give me a hearty amen. I didn't 
think about it, you could say amen immediately because it's right there on the screen, right? <laughs> I'm there! It's right there on the screen! Hello, Pastor! Just look to your left! Uh, okay. Hey, I haven't preached in a long time. I'm sorry. It's all pent up inside of me. It's all coming out, okay? I've had four weeks of hearing wonderful uh, testimonies. They were wonderful, and I loved every bit of it. But man, there's something about standing up here doing it. Okay. Galatians chapter 2, verse 19. For through, uh, through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, in the body I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were, were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. We're going to pause there just for a moment. I want, to, I want to explain to you for a second. Paul is speaking to the Galatians. He's coming there and he's having this conversation with them. And the conversations he's having with them is because there are people within, his, within the city of Galatia who are, um, who are, uh, are, are coming to him saying, you have to follow the law. You have to not eat meat. And you have to not eat these things. And there's unco- you know, unclean things and all of these things. And this whole discussion is going on. And what Paul is coming to you and coming to them and saying, listen, it has nothing to do with any of this stuff. That is the law. The law was the Old Testament law. When we think about the Old Testament law, it was the Levitical law that you, that you see. There's 700, uh, what is it, 700? I forget, 600 and something. 600. 613 laws in the Levitical law that you had to follow. I mean, 613 things that you had to do. It wasn't the Ten Commandments. Listen, we have many people in this world that are having a hard time just keeping the Ten Commandments. Just think about if you had 613 commandments that you had to keep. Many of them didn't even know what it was. And so what Paul is coming to them and saying, he's like, listen, I, I, I'm not living underneath that law anymore. I don't have to live underneath that law. What's most importantly is who is inside of me. What Paul is telling the Galatians is that it has nothing to do with what you can eat and what you can't eat, what law you're following, what law you're not following. What it all has to do with is who is inside of you. What Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. See, the truth of the matter is that many Christians still live their life, many people are still living their life under the old system of the law. And what I mean by that is that we're trying to be good people. You hear it all the time. I'm a good person. I've done good things. I haven't done, you know, I haven't stolen. I haven't killed someone yet. I came close to killing my wife or killing my husband, but I didn't. Came close to beating the crap out of my kids because they deserved it. The truth of the matter is that some people still live under the law. What it, and, and it doesn't mean by living under grace of Jesus Christ that we can just go and do whatever we want. It doesn't mean that I can go slap Buddy and then get away with it, right? No, he deserves it. Believe me, I have many years that I owe him back for what he's done over the years. <laughs> That's right. I, I'm not offended and I'm not holding, I'm not holding retribution against that. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> But the honest truth of the matter is, is, is this. We, we are, when we live in grace, what that means is Jesus is inside of us, and so Jesus changes who we are so that we don't have to live by the law. You don't have to live by the law if you have Jesus inside of you because Jesus isn't going to allow you to go out and slap someone across the head. He's going to say, don't do it. That's not the right thing to do. That doesn't mean that we don't do it, right? We have a choice not to follow Christ. But when Christ lives inside of you, he changes all your actions. He, change, he should change everything that you do. If you are here today and you have accepted Jesus Christ 
And what he did on the cross for us, meaning that you accepted him and you've asked him for your forgiveness of your sins, accepted him as your savior because he paid the price on the cross for us, then what you have done is you have accepted him and now he has come inside of you. Christ lives inside of us. When we ask for that salvation from Jesus Christ, when we ask for that, when we fall to our knees and say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. What he does is he actually comes into your heart. Do you realize that? So it's Christ living inside of you. And here's the problem. The problem is that we spend way too much energy and effort trying to push him down and do the things that we want to do that are outside of what Christ would want us to do. Instead of just going, okay, Christ, you're inside of me. What? Okay, homie, what are we doing next? Right? Instead of saying that, we're saying, no, I'm going to, I'm going to push him down. I don't want to, when, when, when that still small voice, you're about ready to rip into someone because they've done something bad to you, and that still small voice comes up. You know what? It takes more energy and effort to push that down and tell that person off than to say, okay, you're right. Take a deep breath. Take a step back. You're right. See, Christ lives inside of us. My question for you is, though, is Christ actually in you? question that needs to be asked is not if you go to church or if you're a good person, but instead the question should be, is Christ inside of you? And if he is inside of you, then why are you not letting him out? Why are you not letting him change who you are? Why is it not driving you to be a better person? Why is it not driving you to help the person in need? Why is it not driving you to change your language? Why is it not driving you to change the way you act towards another person? Why is it not driving you to do all the good things? Because if Christ is inside of you, he is. if you have accepted him on the cross, then he is inside of you. Let me give you a spoiler alert. If you have accepted Jesus Christ, he is inside of you. So it takes more energy and effort, again, to push him down than it is to... Take a breath. <laughs> takes more energy and effort to walk with him. Or, I'm sorry, to not walk with him, to disobey him, to do against what it would, he would want you to do than it is to walk with him. To talk with him. When you accept Jesus into your heart, when you accepted what he's done on the cross for you, you have confessed your sins, your mistakes, then you are saved and Christ lives inside of you. But as Paul has said, but Paul says you have been crucified with Christ. You know, the, acts of, the act of crucifixion is a very ugly act. I don't know if any of you guys have seen, I, I assume all of you have seen the, uh, the Passion of Christ but just the very fact of being nailed to a cross, the pain and suffering that it causes as they stick the nails in your hands and in your feet. But then that's even, that's, that's pales in comparison to the, the suffering that he, caught, that he was, uh, had to endure as he hung on the cross and he's dying of, of suffocation, basically, is what it is. And every muscle in your body is cramping and it, and it hurts because you do everything you can to push up strengthen out your back so that you can take in a deep breath. But when you do that, the nails rip into your hands and into your feet even more. Jesus paid all of those things. He paid all of that price for you and I. The reason why I'm talking about this today is that Paul calls you and I to be crucified with Christ too. You think your life, just because you accepted Jesus, is going to be easy? You're wrong. I'm sorry. I wish it was. 
I wish it was a, a basket of roses, a golden path, uh, uh, the, the rainbows and uh, shining. Well, there was a rainbow today as we we're coming to church. I don't know if anyone else saw it, but it was a beautiful rainbow, actually. But the truth of the matter is being a Christian means that we need to learn to crucify ourselves. Now, this doesn't mean that we have to cause uh, uh, the same pain of dying on a cross. What Paul is saying is we are crucified with Christ. When Christ lives inside of you, he wants the old you to die. You understand that? You have a new you and you have an old you. The old you has to die so the new you can come out. There can only be one of you. (laughs) It can either be the old you or the new you. And when you become a Christian, what happens is that there's, an, there's, a, there's a, uh, not only a heavenly war that's going on, but there's also an internal war that's going on. You have to make a decision to follow Christ or follow your old ways. And sometimes when you're faced with the situation, what comes out of your mouth is the old way. It's not the new way, it's the old way. And you have to stop yourself and say, okay, I made a mistake, I'm going to do better next time. And then the next time comes around and maybe you don't say as many curse words as you did before. And that's a win. But God calls us to choose, to crucify ourselves, to take up our cross daily, to live with him, to walk with him. Countless number of times in scriptures, we are called to become a new creation, that our old selves must die, that we must pick up our cross daily and become fully influenced by Jesus in us. His actions, his love should rule all that we do, all that we say, all that we are. And we should be constantly in our life uh, overcoming these things overcoming our old self. It's a war. We are at war with ourself. I won't sing the Christian... It was a good song. It's a Christian rap song. <laughs> I love it. I, I, you can ask my wife. Sometimes when she comes home, I have the radio so up so high to this that you can't hear anything else in the house. If you called me on my phone, I wouldn't be able to hear it because the radio is up that high. But in the song, it talks about we are at war. And they, they talk about this war and they talk about this ugly battle that's going on. But at the end of the song... He sets back and it's Lecrae. Lecrae sets back and he says, but it's at a war with myself. He's not at war with anyone. He's at war with himself inside of him because his mind wants to do one thing, but Christ inside of him and calls him to do an exact opposite thing. It's a choice that you and I have to make. It's a choice that you and I get to choose. Scripture tells us that we get an opportunity to choose between our old self or our new self. There's only room for one of us. Listen, I, I'll joke inside and bipolarness and, and, and uh, two people living in Gemini and all those things. I am a Gemini, by the way. But I, I'm not talking about all of those things because, again, that's ludicrous, right? But the truth of the matter is that there is a war of two people inside of us. Our old self and our new self. And we get to choose. We get to choose what's going on. Romans 12, verses 1 through 2, if you'll turn over to Romans 12. This happens to be one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. I love Paul's writings and often get myself completely lost in Paul's writings. I can find myself just living inside of Paul's writings for so many days and so many months that I have to encourage myself to actually open up to a different letter. But Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, I was reading from the NIV. This is actually the ESV. Can you jump back? Uh, 
Thank you. I appeal to you, brothers. You can just stay there for a moment, Jeremy. Paul is appealing to them. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer, the, that's the NIV, the ESV says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, I purposely have, I'm reading the two different versions because I like them both. The NIV says offer. What does the uh, King James say? Do you know? Did you close? You closed already. Does it say offer? Present. Present. Okay. Either way, whether we're offering or we're presenting, it is an action that you and I get to choose to do. Whether we're offering ourselves or we're presenting ourselves. There's two words here that Paul used that you can totally understand and it begins to craft this whole series of sermons that we're going to be doing. See, the choice of the matter is, is when you accept Jesus Christ and he comes inside of you, you have a chance to either choose to present yourself to Jesus or to offer yourself to Jesus. In every single way, every single thing that you do, you have a choice to choose. You have a choice to offer yourself to Jesus. When you walk into a situation, a situation is not good and there's all kinds of trouble going on, what is your act? Your act is to go in and say, I can be like Christ. Or I can be like the world. If I be like the world, that means I can go curse them, I can tell them to get lost, I can do all these other things. If I'm going to be like Christ, I can offer grace, I can not get offended, I can do all the things, I can love them because they are human beings and they're just as mad and angry and they have problems just like I do. That is a choice we get to make. Being incorporated with Jesus is for you to offer yourself to him. If you're going to have Jesus incorporated in all that you do, if he's going to incorporate everything that you, every, in everything that you say and everything that you do, then you are to offer yourself to him. That means that when you go to work, you are offering yourself to Jesus. You're saying, I'm, I'm going here to make money. Listen, there's, no, there's, there's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with going to your job to make money. But God also specifically placed you on that job, not just to make money. He placed you on that job so that you could be one of his representation to those people around you. So when you go to work, it is your way of going in there and saying, yes, I'm here to make money. Yes, I need to make a living. Yes, my kids need to eat. Yes, I need to pay off bills. Yes, I need all of those things. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's also to go in there and say, I have a mission from God, not just to make money. I have a mission from God to share Christ with everyone around me in my job. Amen. You know that if you, when you become a Christian, the day that you accepted Jesus Christ on the cross, what you did is you accepted a mission from God to go out and be all that you can be for him in everywhere that you go. Most people believe that, oh, in order for me to do the Lord's work, it means that I have to be a pastor and I have to go to seminary and I have to do all this stuff. Wrong. Are there some that are called to become a pastor? Yes, absolutely there are. There are some people that are called to be that. But whether you're a pastor or whether you're just someone who comes into church every Sunday, whether you're someone that sings on a worship team, someone that works in the nursery, works anywhere else, it doesn't matter. It is your job to share Christ with the people that you are working with every single day on your job. To be their representation of Jesus. To show them who Jesus is. I once heard a, uh, by a, I once heard a preacher say that Jesus is the perfect gentleman. And I didn't really grasp what he was trying to say during that message. And then later on I began to think and I began to read this verse from Romans chapter 12 and I began to think about this and, and the word offer or present started hitting my mind and I began to think, that's exactly what this man was saying. What this man was saying is that it is 
Jesus is a perfect gentleman. He'll never come and force you to follow him. He'll never come in and say, you have to follow him. It is your choice to do that. Even after, listen, even after you become a Christian, you have a choice to take Jesus to work with you. You have a choice to take Jesus and and let him change the way that you act in your schooling, the way that he acts in your job, the way that you act in your finances, the way that you act in all of these seven mountains that we're going to be talking about. It is your choice. Jesus is the perfect gentleman. He'll never tell you to do that. He'll never force you into doing that. It is your choice. Why? Because Jesus wants followers. He doesn't want slaves. There's a big difference there. I hope you understand that. I can force you to do something but if I ask you to do something or something, there's totally different things. If I'm standing over you with a gun and I say, you have to do this, that's called forcing. That's slavery. That's not right. But if I walk alongside of you and say, you know what, you should really do this, that's being a gentleman. That's being the perfect gentleman, really. And that's what Jesus is doing. It is our job to offer ourselves to Jesus to be incorporated in Jesus means that we are called to offer ourselves at every moment, at every place. We have to offer ourselves at work. We have to offer ourselves at play. We have to offer ourselves at home. We have to offer ourselves to our neighbors. It's our job to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice of Jesus to the people around us. God has specifically, let me boil this down just a little, a little bit closer. God has specifically put people in your life that he has called you to reach out to. And you are on your job, you're at your school, you're, uh, you're, you're, um, every location you go, your family units, all of those things are specifically put in your life as a mission from God for you to reach out to those people who don't know him so that you can begin to share Christ with them and hopefully win them to the kingdom. It's not our job to bring them to the kingdom, it's God's, but it's our job to plant the seeds and do the work that God has called us to do. The problem is, of it is today is that many people want to take their Christian walk. Many people want to take their life with Jesus and they want to make it convenient to them when it fits what they want to do. They want to make it fit into a Sunday morning. Pastor, you can only preach from 10.30 to noon. If you're not done by noon, my stomach starts growling. It's time to go. Cleveland Browns are going to be on. Well, no, they're not on until Monday. So now I could I actually, honestly, you all should be happy for me to just be up here and preaching all afternoon, right? There's no amen. See, the, listen, I'm, as John Bevere says, I'm preaching better than you guys are amen, but that's okay. So, but listen, truth of the matter is, is that we have conveniently made our faith with God into something that we can easily package into one day or one prayer or one time of the day. When we go to work, we don't think about how can I be God's servant on my job today. We go to work saying, I have to deal with this job again. I have to deal with the bozos at work again. I have to deal with all these people that are going to drive me nuts today. <laughs> we don't go to work and say, okay, this is God's, this is my opportunity. As I'm walking the path of my hallways of my job, as I'm doing my job, this is my opportunity. How can I be a blessing to someone here on my job? How can I share Christ with someone who may not know Christ? How can I be a blessing to them? How can I, experience, how can I help them experience God's love in a way that has never... See, our job is to do that every single day. It's not just to do it on Sundays. 
It's not just to do it on the occasional outreach that the church does. You are called to be the outreach. You are called to be the ones who go outside this place and share Christ with everyone around us. You have something that so, should be so contagious that everyone wants to follow you. But the problem of it is, is too many of us set on our faith and we only make it happen on Sunday morning. We bring it out, we take it off the shelf on Sunday morning, blow a little dust off of it, walk to church and say, or drive to church. We walk into church and go, isn't it a blessed day? It's such a blessing to be here in the Lord's with you people today. I just love spending time with you today. <laughs> blow that dust off, go home, we take our faith, we put it back on the shelf, we never use it again the rest of the week until the following Sunday, or until something bad happens to us. Something bad happens to us, and guess what? We drive right to our needs. Oh, Lord, I've been serving you faithfully for 100 years. I just need your help today. God wants us to have a relationship with him that's more than just Sunday morning. He wants us to have a relationship with him that more than just when bad things happen. He wants your life to be fully incorporated with Jesus Christ and have everything that's inside of you changed. Your life should change 100 degrees. 100 degrees, that doesn't make sense. 360 degrees. It should be completely opposite than the way you were before. 180, whatever. Yeah, 360 would be a full circle, wouldn't it? Yeah, that wouldn't work so well. I'm a pastor. I'm not a math, mathematician, right, Christy? We must learn to offer ourselves as a sacrifice. It means that we'll do much more than just serve Jesus on Sundays. We must learn to serve Jesus in everything that we do and say. We must serve Jesus every day that we're on our jobs, every day that we're at home, the way that we parent our kids, the way that we handle our finances, the way that we do everything. Listen, if you, if you come to church on Sunday morning and you praise God and then you go home and you tell your kid to go shut the whatever up, right? What, what are you doing? You're causing your kids to be really confused is what's really happening. Because your kids are hearing you bless the Lord on Sunday morning, but then cursing them on Sunday night. That's not the way that it was intended to be. If you come to church on Sunday morning and go, I'm going to give the Lord my tithe, then go home and say, man, I wish I had that money that I gave to tithe. I could use that money for gas right now. That's not a cheerful giver. Not only are you teaching your kids to not like tithing, but you're also not being a cheerful giver. You're also not being the one that the Lord gives. The Lord wants to bless us. If you come to church and you sing worship songs and you stand up and you praise God and your hands are lifted high and you're praising the Lord, but then you go home and you listen to music that has all kinds of different language and it talks about killing people or raping people or doing those types of things. You know the music that I'm talking about. Do I have to sing any of it for you? I don't know it. So <laughs> I'm glad everyone shook their head no. I was just assuming that everyone was going to say no because I said yes. I was stuck. Okay, y'all. You, you all played into my... Thank you. Because if you would have said yes, I would have been in trouble. But... The truth of the matter is, is that there's some really nasty 80s and 80s and 90s songs that I could have sang too. You know, I could have bust out Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby. Uh, no, I won't go any further. Hey, you're welcome for the earworm for the rest of the uh, day. But Jesus wants us to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to Him every single day. Jesus was never intended for the church to be the only location where ministry was going to happen. Jesus intended your life to be an active, everyday, 24-7 ministry to the people outside this world, outside of this building, outside of every church building. 
I hear too many people saying, I can't serve the Lord. I need to bring them to church so the pastor can save them. No, you know what? You can save them. I hear too many people going and saying, I don't, that's the pastor's job. No, that's not the pastor's job. That's not the worship leader's job. That's all of our job. We are all called, listen, you, truth be told, the day that you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you were all called into full-time ministry. Amen. Every single one of you in this room has been called into full-time ministry if you have given your life to Jesus Christ. It is your choice. The second word that Paul uses in this is it's uh, being incorporated means that it is a transformation. Paul uses this word transformation. He talks about how your mind is being transformed. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, the truth of the matter is, is that a transformation is something that happens a little bit by a little bit, by a little bit. Now, that doesn't mean that the Lord can't come down and save people. I know, I have known of people, and I still know people, that the Lord did miraculous work in their life, and it's 24-7. They woke up being a drunk, and they went home that night being saved. And the Lord saved them from all of those things. And that's a wonderful thing. God bless them. That's a wonderful thing. That's a, that's, the church should celebrate those things. That's the miracle-working power of Jesus. This stupid cord will not stay off my shoulder. I'm going to rip it off here in a moment. The truth of the matter is is that more likely what happens is that Jesus is transforming us on a daily basis. Paul does such a wonderful job of explaining that to us. It's a transformation of our mind. We don't go to bed one night being this way and wake up the next day being this way. It's a transformation. It's a choice. You get to choose to do that. The next time, I almost said the next time you're on the road, Pat, but (laughs) the next time you're in traffic, right? And someone cuts you off, whether you're in an 18-wheeler or you're in a four-wheeler. It doesn't matter. The next time that happens, it is your choice to, to, to lock your lips, grit your teeth, and say, God bless them. <laughs> Truth of the matter is, if they're driving the way that they do, they probably need the Lord's blessing a lot more than you and I need it right now. The same is for your job at work. When you go to work and someone's yakking, da, 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 yelling at you, they're having you do all this stuff, it's your choice to say, Lord, just, just bless them, Lord. Bless them. Or we can get mad. But it's a transformation. Listen, the transformation is that you and I are making a choice. Every single choice, every single step, every time we make a choice to follow Jesus, we are transforming our mind. It's a transformation process. A transformation usually doesn't happen overnight. It's a period of time. It takes a period of time. It's a result of making positive choices over and over and over again. When you start making the choices to follow Jesus, Jesus will transform and your mind will change and you'll begin and you'll begin more uh, to get to gain more confidence and more power so that the next time the situation arise, you can do exactly what you know what to do. You can, you can choose to make the right decision. It's a, it's a transformation. It's a process. It's every single day. But the point of the matter is, is that a transformation starts with someone making a choice and making a step. Right. <laughs> I agree, Jesus. I hope that's Jesus texting us, because that's good news. No. It's a step. It's a process. It's I'm making the right choice. I'm choosing to follow him. I'm choosing to do these things. I'm choosing not to allow my uh, feelings to get the better part of me. 
The biggest mistake that we sometimes make is that we expect this to happen overnight. We expect that somehow when we come to this, uh, we, we should. We should expect that Jesus is going to move mightily in our life, right? We should expect that. But the honest goodness truth is that most of the time it happens by us making one small step at a time. By choosing to do the right thing. By choosing to pick up our scriptures and read them. By choosing to pray. In this series, we're going to talk about how do we incorporate Jesus in the aspect of all of our lives. But it starts with saying, do you have Jesus inside of you? Do we let Jesus... Change us from the inside out. The next time you start watching a TV show you shouldn't listen or watch, the next time you start listening to something on the radio that you shouldn't listen to, you know what it is. Just think about it. Jesus is inside of you, so you're having him listen to that too. He's hearing every word of that song. He's hearing every language that you use that you shouldn't use. He's watching all of the bad decisions that you have chosen to make. And his attempt in there is to say, please let your old self die. Do what's right. Do what I would call you to do. That doesn't mean that we let people take advantage of us by any means. But what it means is loving Christ enough to do what he calls us to do. To walk with him. See, to walk with Jesus is a 24-7 thing. It's a choice that we have to make 24-7. There are times in our lives when we need, we feel like we need to rely on Jesus more than other times in our life. There are times in our life that we need to draw upon him because we've gotten a bad doctor's report or we've had troubles that are going through our life. But the trick of the, the, it's not even a trick, the, the, the truth is that our job should be that we're loving Jesus and we're growing to him more every single day and it's not just these valleys that make us grow closer to him. It's not the bad times that we should grow to be close to Jesus. It's every day that we should grow to be closer to Jesus. I know some of you here today are saying that Jesus is already part of your life. That Jesus is incorporated in everything that you do and say, I want to challenge you if that's the case, then you probably need to do it a little bit more. Because even as I've been writing this sermon series and as I've been writing the messages and I've been thinking about this, I've seen opportunities in my life where I haven't incorporated Jesus enough into my life. And I think if we were honest with ourselves, we all would have a place in our life where we need to say Jesus needs to be incorporated more. I could do more. I can do more. I can do more on my job. I can do more with my language. I can do more with my finances. I can do more with my education. I can do more with my arts and entertainment. I can do more with all of those things. I can strive to be more like Jesus in all areas of my life. I want to end with this. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. Today, perhaps you're here and you're thinking, I have more to offer. And I want to encourage you to continue to offer more to him. Perhaps you're here today and you said, I have never offered Jesus anything. I've only taken from him. There are many Christians who take 
a lot of things from Jesus. They take salvation. They take the assurance that they're going to have eternity in heaven. They take all of the goodness, the good things. They want all the good things from Jesus. But then when he turns around and asks them to do something, he does, they do nothing. There are some people out there like that today. But if you're in that place today, what I want to ask you, what I want to encourage you to do today is something that Isaiah did in Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6, uh, verse 8 says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Isaiah responds, And I said, Here I am, send me. I love the... uh, Older translations that say, here I am, Lord, send me. Truth of the matter is is that the Lord wants to send us all into this place, but we have to learn to be incorporated with Jesus. We have to have him so intertwined, ingrained in us, that our first response isn't to lash out. Our first response isn't to do what everyone else does. Our first response is to do what Christ did. Christ was abused, but yet he still loved people. Christ was mocked, yet he still loved people. Christ was used, but he still loved people. Jesus was everything that we are supposed to aspire to be. But do you understand that Jesus also got angry? He got angry. He went to the temple and he turned over the tables, got angry. It's okay to have what we like to call righteous anger, right? But the truth of the matter is that Jesus calls us to make a choice. And even that, even, even during those times, Jesus did get angry for a moment, but then he, he, he kind of caught his breath and he went back into doing his ministry, doing what he was called to do. You and I have a choice today that over the next eight weeks, we're going to talk about how do we incorporate Jesus in each one of these mountains How do we make Jesus part of our jobs? How do we make Jesus part of our entertainments? How do we make Jesus part of our finances? How do we make Jesus part of our education? How do we make Jesus part of our church? Which is an interesting discussion we'll have at another time. But how do we make Jesus part of everything that we are? It's a simply a standing, as Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. Will you stand with me, please? Today we have a choice to follow Jesus, to be like him in every action, every step, everything that we say, every choice we make. Do we love people? Do we care for people? Or do we make a choice to be not like him and to be our old self? It's an offer that you get to make. Jesus wants to not only have you accept him, for what he's done on the cross, but then he wants you to accept him every single day and offer yourself to him. Some of us in this room need to be better at offering ourselves to Jesus on our jobs. Some of us have to be better at offering Jesus in our finances. Sometimes we have to be better at offering ourselves to him to be used in all aspects of our life. All of us do. But Jesus is calling us. And as Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. I can't think of a better way to end this opening sermon in this series as for all of us, just to stand before the Lord and say, here I am, Lord, send me. I don't care what it is. I don't care what you want me to do on my job. I don't care what it is that you want me to do in the community. I don't care if people make fun of me. I'm going to go and do what he calls me to do. 
I'm going to be like Jesus because that is who you've called me to be. So here I am, Lord, send me. In a moment, we're going to pray. What I want to ask you to do is, can you say those words and truly mean it? Can you stand before the Lord with your hand raised high and say, here I am, Lord, send me. I hope that you can. I hope that you will. And if you can't, then maybe you need to accept Jesus and accept what he's done. Maybe you don't understand that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that he gave all that he has so that you could have eternal life in this place. I pray that we can make that decision. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you have done. We thank you that you are calling us to incorporate every aspect of our life with you. That you're calling us to live with you, to be guided by you, to be directed by you, Father. Lord, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to you. You are holy, you are pure, and you call us to offer ourselves to you, to be like you. And so, Father, here we are. I want to encourage you all in this room with all of our eyes closed to just raise your hands up before the Lord and say, here I am, Lord, send me. 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 I offer myself to you, Lord. I offer everything I am to you. I want to be a living sacrifice for you. I want my life not to be about me. I want my life to be about you. I want to be so transparent that when people see me, they see you. I want my language to be so changed that it would be your language, your love, your compassion that you have for people. I want my actions not to be actions to be selfish and to be for me, but I want them to be for you, Lord. And what you would have to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Let us have your heart, Father. Let us know how to live with you, to be incorporated fully with you in this place. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you have done and what you will do in our lives as we draw closer to you, incorporating all that we are. We give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.